0: This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Between Sundays, if you will, turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3, as we are continuing in this series of very quick recap of where we've been. Week one, scoffer and servant. Week two, trials and temptations. Week three, doers and hearers. Week four, mercy and judgment. Week five, faith and works. And then we're headed today, blessings and curses. Blessings and curses. Some of you are already freaking out. We're not talking about curse words because all of you would be like, "Oh no, no!" It's blessing and curses. So uh, things that you say that do come out of your mouth, uh, you, we're going to talk about those things. This is all about the power of words. We exist because of words. In Genesis one twenty six, God spoke. And when he spoke, he said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness so they may rule over the fish and birds and livestock and all the wild animals. He, he He created everything when he spoke. Then in verse 28 of Genesis 1, he said, he blessed them and said to them, talking to mankind, be fruitful and increase in number to which my staff took literally and they are all being fruitful and multiplying right now. It is why you hire a young staff, because you're going to grow a church one way or another, right? Hey, we're just going to keep adding people to the fold. There is great power in words. We who are uh, here today, we are who we are today because of words. Think about that. If you asked, uh, excuse me, if I asked you about a hurtful time in your life, maybe one of the most hurtful times in your life, that moment would have been shaped by words. You're fired. We regret to inform you. It's terminal. Or in the words of my wife, I broke another mirror on the car. There have been several mirrors in the past. But on the flip side of that, I've asked you about one of the greatest moments in life. Those two were shaped by words. I do. It's a boy or girl, whichever you want to put in there. You got the job. Those are things we hear, and it shapes our life. It shapes who we are. Blessings and curses. If you want to change your life, if you want to change the life that you have, you are going to have to change the words that you speak. That's just the truth. Small things make a big difference in our life, and our words are one of those things. I want to say that again, because some of you, it's just now catching up, but if you want to change the life that you have, you need to change the words that you speak. Small things can make a big difference. James had a lot to say about this all throughout his five chapters in the book of James, if we go back to James chapter one, verse 19, the very first, uh, excuse me, the second week that we talked about that, we were commanded to be quick to listen and slow to what? Speak. That's right, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. James one twenty six, the same week, if anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Religion that has no effect or impact in what we say, when we talk, that means it's useless. It's deceitful religion. I want to go ahead and jump into James chapter 3. So again, if you have your Bibles, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Let's read this together. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's kind of talking to me, so to James, I say thank you. No pressure whatsoever. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue. a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear figs. Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. It's the small things in life that impact our life in a big way. The first part of this, again, he's talking about not many should be teachers or uh, to, to the believers because we know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now this this speaks to me in two different ways. First of all, it's kind of a warning to me, be careful what I teach because I'm gonna be judged more strictly. But it's also a warning to all of us to be careful who you listen to because there are false teachers. It's interesting to think about the role of a Bible teacher in the early church because at that time, James penned these words. Most people could not read the Bible. They didn't even have a copy of the Bible. They couldn't read, period. So believers were dependent on godly teachers who were willing to teach God's truth directly from his word. Now today, if you think about it, we have all kinds of access to God's word. We can read it on our phones. We can have it carried with us in a a Bible that we have of our own, probably have four or five of them at home, most of us. We can listen to it as we're driving down the road. We have all this access to God's word. However, devotions, podcasts, and other teachers still greatly influence our perception of the Bible. So to that, again, I say be careful about whose words you let influence your view of God and his word. Now let's look on at verses two and three. He said, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault is what they say is perfect, in what they say is perfect, excuse me. Able to keep their whole body in check. Again, he goes to this horse thing. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I have a strange imagination sense of humor, if you will. I don't know why, I've read this many times, but when I read it this time, my first thought was, who was the first guy that literally put a piece of metal in a horse's mouth and said, we're gonna turn this animal? And to that, I then went to, who's the guy that tried that on the lion or the bear? And they're like, remember Dave, that guy that tried that on the lion? (laughs) That was funny. He's gone now. You know, (laughs) think about it. Then in verse four, he says, take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue, a small part of the body makes big boasts. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Church, what he's saying is a small bit can move a horse, a small rudder can move a ship, a small spark can take down a whole forest. Small things make a big difference in our lives. And he's talking about our tongue. It's such a small thing, but it makes a big difference. That small tongue makes grand speeches. After all, a well-crafted speech can move a whole crowd to do incredible things, whether that be in a bad way or a good way. Think about Abraham Lincoln, four score, and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth this new nation. Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream. a Gump, life is like? There you go. Solomon said this about our words, Proverbs 18, 21. He says, the tongue has the power of life and of death. The tongue has the power of life, but it also has the power of death. He contrasted the difference between life-giving and life-taking words in several different scriptures. Here's another one for you, Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise, it's life-giving. It brings healing to our soul. Someone can give you just the one word at the proper time and that's all you need. You're like, man, that's what I needed to go on. I'm ready to roll now. Then Solomon said in Proverbs fifteen four, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but on the other hand, a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. I don't know how many of you I had your spirit crushed by life taking words, I would guarantee almost everybody here at some point has had that happen. It can be as meaningless as someone looking at you and saying, why did you do your hair like that? Did you mean to do that? And you're going, I just got my hair done. I paid good money for this. Or someone looks at you and, aren't you kind of old to not be married? And you're like, shut up and get out of my face. Who are you to say that to me kind of a thing? It hurts, right? Or maybe it's something that was meant to be said. I can't stand you. I found someone else. I never loved you anyway. You're pathetic. These are words that are life taking and they pierce like a sword. They crush our spirit. On the other hand, Many of you have been blessed by life-giving words. I I told you when we were receiving the offering, I can't tell you how grateful we are of all the cards and things that you guys brought into the staff and such words of encouragement. Thank you. We appreciate it. It speaks volumes to us. It's healing to our soul to know that someone is caring and does appreciate what we do. It helps, so thank you so much. But what does James go on to say? The tongue, verse 6 Also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. Listen to this. Small things make a big difference. The tongue, it corrupts the whole body. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Man, those are powerful words. That simple thing in our mouth. Works well to eat. Can set our whole life on fire. And then he goes on to say is itself set on fire by hell. Now, I wanna help you understand what he meant by that. There's some strong language here. If we look closer at the word that's translated more often as hell, we learn it's the Greek word Gehenna. This was a location just outside of Jerusalem at the time of this writing of James where heaps of trash burned nonstop night and day. And so James is pointing us to one of the most disgusting things that he could think of. But the picture goes even deeper than just a heap of trash burning. Because if we look back in the Old Testament, the location of Gehenna was known as the Valley of Hymnon. And it was the location that people sacrificed their children. They sacrificed their children to a pagan false god named Molech. Could there be anything more despicable than child sacrifice? That is why Jesus, he likened this location to hell itself. And that was, he said it was a place prepared for Satan and his demons. And that's the place James is pointing us to, the place of unrestrained wickedness to illustrate what we do with our words when we do not control them. When we say what we want to say, no matter what it's going to do to someone else. If we're not careful, we can be the very voice of Satan in the words we speak. Now that sounds pretty harsh too. But if you think about it, Peter thought he was gonna be Mr. Good Disciple when he spoke to Jesus in Matthew 16. Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem where I'm gonna suffer greatly. I'm going away. And he's telling them all about it as he's preparing them. And in Matthew 16, Peter took him to his side and he began to rebuke Jesus. Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus, in that moment, the same Peter that he said, on this rock I will build my church, right? That same Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns. You know what that means? That tells us, that if what we're saying is against what honors God, then what we're saying is coming from a dark source. It's coming from human concern, not God's concern. Verse seven and eight. It's gonna get more bleak, okay, get ready. James says this, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. These words, man, they seem so defeating. It's like, what, what's, what good are we? If we can't tame our tongue, but, but you have to understand it's in our flesh that we cannot make these changes needed. To be able to give life-giving words, it's impossible for us to tame the tongue, but it's through the power of God that we can change. That is the hope of the gospel, that we don't have to be what we've always been, right? Right? Wow, not one amen there. That we don't have to be what we've always been. Okay. We can be changed by the power of God. It's the power of his word at work in us, which is why I love James. This entire book is really, really calling us out. Every week, it's just something different that he's really calling us out on who we are and are we allowing God to change us from the inside out? This is a good news, bad news scenario going here. I want you to think about this as we're talking about the tongue. See, he's saying the tongue has the controlling influence on the behavior of the whole body. Remember that? That's bad news, that literally this one thing controls our whole body. However, there's good news in that If that's the case, then that means having control of the tongue means you have control of the body, right? So there's good news. Remember verse two? He said, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. We know there's none of us there, able to keep their whole body in check. So again, the tongue influences the whole body. So if that's the case, if the tongue influences the whole body and you're trying to grow in self-control in all areas of your life, think about this, wouldn't it make sense to start by gaining control of one area, which is going to help us gain control in all areas of our life? Well, how do we do that? How do we tame something that James is telling us is untameable? How do we go there? You have to go to the source. You have to go to the source. Courtney and I, when we first moved to Chillicothe, would have been 2008, and we were trying to sell a house in Bolivar, trying to move to Chillicothe and find a house, and we were looking at houses, and I remember... Uh, we found a house that we thought we liked. It looked very nice on the inside. But we're not professional house buyers, especially at that point in our life. So we called one of our friends in the church who handled a lot of real estate. And we just said, will you come and look at the house with us? And we walk in and we're excited to go, you know, let's show you the kitchen. Let me show you this. He didn't wanna hear any of that. The first thing he wanted to do was go look at the basement. And we're like, yeah, but look what they've done. And he's like, nope, I just want to go see the basement. Show me the basement. So we went to the basement and little did I know, he actually knew the house. He had been there before. I'm not even sure he might've owned it before. So the first thing he wanted to do was go to the basement because he knew there was foundation issues. No matter how pretty it was on top, if the foundation wasn't fixed, then that house was going to continue to give you problems. You have to go to the source. You can make it look pretty on top, but if the foundation is weak and it's gonna keep moving, the walls are gonna crack and it's not gonna be a good house. He saved us from buying a house that would have been trouble. It's ironic to me that the thing that we communicate with the most, now we can use hand gestures, we can do other things to communicate, we can even have facial expressions, but the thing that we communicate with the most, the thing we're trying to control is the same thing that gives us away. Because our words reveal what our heart is trying to conceal. Let me say that again, our words reveal what our heart is trying to conceal. Matthew 12, 34 and 35. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we're wanting to tame the tongue, we have to go to the source. What's the source? The heart. We're telling on ourselves when we speak. We're actually giving ourselves away. Think about this. People who gossip, people who talk negative, complain and criticize. Criticize. They all think about them, put them in your brain. You know, you've got Aunt Susie or that person at work. The people that gossip, complain, criticize tend to have one thing in common. They themselves are miserable, unhappy people. And they tell it by what they say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we wanna tame the tongue, we have to go to the source. Now, Some of you like to take notes. This is a little long, I'm gonna warn you, but I'm just gonna say this and maybe this will help you understand. Our hearts influence our thoughts. Our thoughts influence our words. Our words influence our actions. Our actions become habits and our habits create destiny. If anybody wrote that down, you're amazing and that's a miracle, I wanna see that. That's incredible that you did that. Let me say it to you again. Our hearts influence our thoughts. Our thoughts influence our words. Our words influence our actions, our actions become our habits, and habits create our destiny. It's the small things that make a big difference. Now, James is going to address the inconsistency of the tongue. Look at verse 9. He's going to tell us, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. We talked about this last week too. I need to stop and let that resonate for just a moment. This might be the most important part of this. As we just got through singing, bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh my soul, worship his holy name. And that same tongue is the one that we will turn around and curse our neighbor with. Here's what that really is saying. And this is a bold statement, but it's true. What we say about people, note takers, if you're writing this down, go for it. What we say about people is revealing what we believe about God. I'll say that again. What we say about people is revealing what we believe about God. Let me take it a step further. How we speak to God and how we speak to others are both forms of worship, How we speak to God and how we speak to others, both forms of worship. I find us worshiping God one way, but maybe not the other. It's that between Sundays. We sing, bless the Lord, O my soul, on Sunday. It's between Sundays, that how we speak to others, that we forget that is a form of worship. That same tongue that you're worshiping God with this morning is the one you will curse your spouse on Tuesday morning because they drank all the orange juice. When I was reading this, you know what my very first thought was? When I was thinking about how we bless God with the same tongue that we curse others, I, uh, I only live about two miles from here, and South Street is the main road I'm on, uh, going back and forth to work, because we're right here, or going anywhere else, Walmart, Hy-Vee, any of that. And then I work right here, so everything around me revolves around this road construction that we have going on right now. And my first thought was, man, we can worship God right here. And before we get out of the parking lot, we're already cursing someone else. (laughs) Whose idea was this to do all this right here? Who's blocking our driveway so nobody can come to church? Who's the guy that's sitting in front of me that won't go? He had a chance. Come on, idiot. Before you even get out of the parking lot, you've blessed God, but you've cursed someone. It'll all be over. I keep telling myself it's gonna be better when it's done, right? Just keep saying that it's gonna be better when it's done. Look at verse 10. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James is pretty, pretty upset about it. He's like, this shouldn't be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can the salt spring produce fresh water. Clearly, there is a serious inconsistency in blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth. Words of life and words of death do not come from the same source. Let me, I want you to really try to... Grab your mind around this for just a moment because I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about some Greek words and I'm gonna say several different things. I don't wanna lose you, but, but just hang tight with me. James 3.8, we just read it a moment ago. He said the tongue is a restless evil. Now the Greek word translated as restless is unstable. The tongue is an unstable evil. If you go back to James 1.8, week two, week two, Without the crack, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Do you hear that? A double-minded man is unstable in all he does. So the reason for the inconsistency is because a person is double-minded. Now, the Greek word for that means two-souled. There's two souls, literally two natures warring within for supremacy, the best way you can have a visual of this is the picture of I remember in cartoons like Bugs Bunny or whatever it was, they'd have a little angel on one side and the devil on the other, and they're just warring, trying, which one's he going to listen to? Two soul. And James is saying, "My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Further transformation is needed. And it all comes down to the source. We've spent a lot of time on the problem. We've, we've understand, we understand that we use this same mouth to do both. So what's the solution? A singular source. Just as a, one spring produces one kind of water, one plant produces one type of fruit, so one nature will produce one type of behavior. Or one nature will produce one type of speech. It goes back to Matthew 12 34 and 35. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And then it goes on to say, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So how do we tame this tongue? How do we bridle this mouth that controls what we say and controls our life? It all comes down to the source. Not just pretty walls, not just looking good on the outside. It comes down to fixing the foundation of our hearts. If you want to know how your heart is, pay attention to the words your heart is producing. If we're looking at the source, you have to ask, what's the issue in this source? What's the issue in my heart that's causing me to produce the words that I speak? I was reminded of, actually, I think it's one of the first series we did when Courtney and I came to the bridge, four years ago. First few months we were here, we did a series entitled Enemies of the Heart. It's based on a book by Andy Stanley. He talks about four enemies of the heart. There's, there's lots of enemies of the heart, but four of the most common enemies, guilt, anger, greed, and Jealousy. Guilt, anger, greed and jealousy. When dealing with these issues, if you're dealing with an anger issue, if you don't get to the source of that, you can say, "Man, I've got to fix what I'm my temper. It's just too bad, and I, I've got to stop this. I keep going off on my kids or my spouse or whatever." If you're trying to just tame the tongue, you're going to fail every time. It's until you get to the source of the anger if it's jealousy and you keep finding yourself being judgmental towards others, critical towards others, and you're always trying to measure up and, well, why do they get to do this? Or whatever that might be, all of that comes from a heart issue. You can say, man, I, I gotta quit talking about people like that. But if you don't address the heart, if you don't go to the source, you'll never be able to bridle that tongue. So what do we learn from James? All through his life, is that Christ has the ability to change us from the inside out. James went week one from not even believing in Jesus to being a servant of Christ. Everything changed. Once he had that experience with Christ... That heart issue can be healed, which in turn will tame the tongue. The same mouth that can speak critical, prideful, hurtful, cutting words can now be redeemed to speak words of life and give hope. Some of you have been trying to tame that tongue for so long, and you're wore out. But you haven't gone to the source. You need a moment with Jesus, just as James had. You will no longer be looking for your spouse, your kids, your boss, or anyone else to be your savior. Christ will be your savior. You don't have to control or manipulate situations. You don't have to be the best at everything. Your identity will be found in Christ and he becomes your Lord. You will first identify, just as James did, as servant of Christ, then follows as husband or wife or Uh, father or mother or employee or employer, whatever you are will come second to the fact that you are a follower, a servant of Christ. When you do that, you will find yourself edifying others, encouraging others, not knocking them for their faults. You will rejoice in their gifts and abilities, not be threatened. Let me close with this. An identity rooted in Christ changes how we see the world. An identity rooted in Christ changes how we see the world, which changes how we're going to speak to that world. We've got to find our identity in Christ. We've got to go to the source. If we want to tame the tongue, it's going to begin in the heart. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, this is why we began this message, just doing a reboot, kind of reformatting our hearts. I pray that was not just an exercise or that that was something we were truly able to let you do in our hearts. To remove the junk. I pray today, Lord, that we would find our identity in you. Not boss, not dad, not husband, not golfer. Our identity is first in you, which means we wanna serve you. We wanna please you. We wanna honor you. When we find our identity there, We're gonna allow you into that heart to find the source of the tongue, to find the source of why we are speaking ill towards others, to find the source of why we are speaking to our spouse in a way that shouldn't. They don't deserve that. We've tried and tried to dominate that, but we've tried and failed it is only when we begin to let you into our hearts and do what only you can do that we will be able to tame the tongue.